0: Welcome, everybody, to Black Coffee and Theology. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Black Coffee and Theology. So, at the start of our journey together, I wanted to introduce who I am to you. I figured uh, many of you will already know me from being a co-host on Three Black Men, but I don't want to take it for granted. Some of you are new here. So my name is Robert and I'm a writer. I am a musician. I am a theologian. I am someone who loves people and God and so all of those things are so important to me, and the way that I approach theology is I approach it as um, wanting to make the the study of God uh, accessible to all people, and on this podcast I want to make the table of God accessible, and. Yeah, so I want these conversations to not be so heady that people can't approach it. Um, And so if that is what you are looking for, this will not be the podcast for you. These conversations will uh, mostly be musings and conversations. And so they will be conversations uh, with people or they will be individual podcasts where I will be talking about... um, Different things that I am finding in the word or in books that I'm reading and I wish to make them accessible to you. I will also be bringing um, offerings, uh, little snippets of poetry, uh, either originally or uh, that I'm writing or things that I'm, I'm reading in books. Um, yeah, so I'll be bringing that within the pod uh, to you. And so with that said, (laughs) um, uh, introduction of myself, this uh, er opening uh, episode is so good I had to divide it into two parts, and it's uh, entitled The Theology of Softness, and it is with Carla Mendoza, and she is a wonderful one, <laughs> theologian, and she uh, has her own podcast called El Cafecito with Carla. Now I'm going to have a link to that in uh, the show notes. And with Rose J. Percy, also wonderful theologian, uh, and um, and more on uh, some projects. She has a project of her own uh, that you'll hear about, seminarian brilliant, uh, and she's leaning into her own softness, uh, and so I loved this conversation. Uh, we get into a number of different things, both in the world um, and scripture. You'll hear uh, we talk about some different things and life experiences, so I hope that you can enjoy uh, this conversation that we have from the sacred texts of our lives, uh, the scriptures that we bring. and. Um, this isn't a exercise in being cerebral, but I hope that you can hear our embodied experiences, um, even as we delve into a bit of the scripture and, um, and different things. And, uh, also during this, um, podcast, you will hear me bring an offering at one point. Um, and I'll try and do this in every episode. Um, as I said before, uh, the poem that I will read, uh, is from Alice Walker's book called Hard Times Require Furious Dancing. And I'll just bring a short little offering from it, a snippet, a few lines uh, called The World Has Changed. Um, So sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation. I
1: struggled struggled with um, reading about gentleness as a fruit of the spirit because I was like, who gets, who has permission to be gentle in the world? Um, yeah. And, and thinking about that, one of my go-to, uh, frameworks for community gentleness, um, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd.
0: I am joined uh, by my wonderful friends who I have met through the Twitter streets. (laughs) Carla Mendoza and Rose uh, J. Percy. So welcome, everybody, to this first episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Hey, welcome. So, hey. I am so excited to have you guys on this first episode. So I wanted to open up this episode and this episode is going to be, uh, the theology of softness. And we're going to get into that in a second. And I'm excited to talk about that with you, uh, in particular, and I'm going to explain why I wanted you, uh, to, to come on. But first, uh, let's start with Carla. Just tell us who you are. Um, Yeah. And what you do.
2: Yeah. Hi everyone. I'm so happy to be here, Robert. I'm so glad that you invited us. (laughs) I uh, let's see. What can I tell you about me? So um, I am originally from Peru. I am Afro-Indigenous and I am learning a lot about my Indigenous culture because it's something that I didn't grow up with through colonization. Um, (laughs) And um, let's see. I currently live in the lands of the Miami people and the Potawatomi people in Ohio. And recently I quit my job because I couldn't do any more corporate America and whiteness. So I left. (laughs) And now I am working mostly as a freelancer. I do some writing here and there. I podcast and um, I call myself a non-pastor because I don't want to be a pastor, but I kind of am sometimes. So that's what
0: I do. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. I I love that. Okay. And Rose, uh, tell us about yourself, who you are and what you do. All
1: right. Uh, Well, first of all, thank you so much, Robert, for for asking me to be part of this conversation. Um, I am, (laughs) I relate so much to what Carla said about being a non-pastor. I'm actually leaving my pastoral, like a traditional pastoral ministry role to kind of just transition to doing some different kind of work. Um, But yeah, we'll get into that, I guess. I am Haitian American. I am a black woman. I am a student of theology and philosophy. (laughs) I just, I've just recently added on the philosophy bit because I did not realize that I liked philosophy um, because I feel like there's like a lot of white male gatekeeping in philosophy, um, but I have just now realized that black women are philosophers. And so (laughs) I can be a student of theology and philosophy. And I am, hmm, I'm also in the the podcasting uh, work, force can you say that I'm not sure but
0: (laughs) you can say what you can say whatever you like
1: (laughs) I am working on launching a podcast of my own I am a writer and I'm an artist um, and I am someone who likes to share publicly the journey of uh, being a soft black woman yeah that's that's all about me for now
0: yeah, so I so that kind of segues perfectly into um, the theology of softness. So uh, for this first episode um, of Black Coffee and Theology, I wanted to uh, talk about what it means to be soft in a world that is pressing in on us, right? And what it means to have this theology and this ethic you know, how do we read this in, um, both in the scriptures and how do we walk it out? Right. And, and so, uh, when I was dreaming of this, thinking of this as the first episode, I was thinking who walks this out, who lives this out. And I was like, ah, I know (laughs) Rose and Carla. Right. Uh, (laughs) and, um, and so I, I, uh, I mustered up the courage to ask them, uh, be, um, and so you know, so here we are. Um, and as we and as we enter into this conversation and uh, uh, dive into this topic, first I want to ask: um, as we get into this, how it's important to me that when we talk about theology, that we um, that we acknowledge that we are not neutral. Uh, Often people uh, in the academy, um, they try to act as if being neutral is uh, something to be uh, praised, right? Uh, And that if you can empty yourself uh, and be neutral, that that is something noteworthy. Uh, But what I like to say is, no, I come to the table with the fullness of who I am and that I'm not emptying myself. No, I'm bringing uh, all of me to do theology. And as we enter into, into this uh, theological dialogue in uh, this embodied dialogue, uh, I wanna know how do you uh, both see yourself? Like what um, uh, terms, phrases uh, uh, resonate with you? You know, How do you see yourself as we talk about the, the theology of softness? Is You know what doorways uh, uh, are important to you as we uh, talk about this. I can go first. I'll I'll say mine first. So I, my identity, things that are important to me. I am black. Um, I always say that straight up. I can't talk about things outside of my blackness. uh that's very important um uh i'm black i am a man i am chronically ill i'm sensitive um very much so (laughs) especially in a world that would uh define my maleness by being um by saying that sensitive is bad, right? Uh, so I'm very, very, very much uh, sensitive um, and empathetic um, with that <laughs> sensitivity, um, <laughs> um, sometimes overly empathetic, and <laughs> that it disrupts uh, of my life uh, at times. Um, yeah, so I would say those are some of my lived uh, realities. Um, Something else that's very important to me is that I am a a former atheist, and that shapes the way that I view the world and take in the world, um, and allows me to hold a lot of things in tension. Um, Yeah, so those are my, how I see the world, um, and how I even enter into this dialogue. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, I am a black woman.
1: I realize, like I often feel like I have to say I am black and Haitian. And I often have to clarify that, you know, for me that means embracing this understanding that like my blackness is shaped by my ethnic experience of being Haitian in the world. um, So much as it is shaped by Um, as much as it is is shaped by being black in the United States. Um, And the simplest way to write that and to say that is to kind of like look at how, um, one of my favorite Haitian American uh, writers puts it and she calls herself an Afro-Haitian American. So that condenses down so much of uh, that conversation into into an easy easy phrase there. I am an Enneagram four I have caveats about the Enneagram I try not to talk about it publicly but um people like to come up to me and be like Rose I just learned about this thing called Enneagram and I'm pretty sure you're a four I'm like first of all you don't know my business <laughs> but yes you're right <laughs> don't think you know me now if that isn't the most four thing to say about you know the Enneagram um but I'm Enneagram four I'm if you do the Myers-Briggs INFP which the description of of both of those things, Enneagram or the the INFP, like, you know, there's empathy, sensitivity, like artistic, creative. Um, The INFP can be like a philosopher, thinker, often like, you know, with your head in the clouds, kind of dreamy, like, you know, spacey. Like, I remember growing up um, in elementary school and middle school, my teachers would be like, "I I think Rose is dumb because she's... Like I'll be talking to her and she's just like not here, <laughs> and it's like I've transcended the fourth grade. I don't know what you, <laughs> I don't know
0: what you're doing, but I've transcended. <laughs> I don't know what y'all are doing, but I, I got things to do, places to be. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and I think, I mean, also like I'm a PK, a pastor's kid, and I think a lot of like how I've navigated my faith has been somewhat of a resistance to how I grew up and wanting to define faith for myself and wanting to have my own relationship with God that um, honors and also resists some of the the ways my parents have shaped me. Um, And as a PK, I, I learned how to put on a facade when I went to church. And as a Black woman, there's another facade that you put on for society. And so there are just different layers and layers of Um, ways I've been socialized to be hard and to show off show only the most like calm and like curated and um a professional like whatever the whatever the environment required um, there are a lot of ways in which I I learned to survive by putting my my best face forward and that may not have always been like the, the the truth of who I was or or am and yeah, I'm on a journey to exploring my softness, and that that for me looks like a resistance to, like one, the world is is a hard and troubled place uh, to be human, and to be soft means that you've resisted the things that have kept you from embracing your
0: humanity. Mm, I love that. Thank you, thank you. I love that, Carlo. What about you?
2: Yeah. So as I mentioned, I am from Peru, and I uh, migrated to this country when I was 11 years old. It's it's interesting because I've you know every once in a while I'll talk about this, but I grew up in a white evangelical context in Peru, which says a lot about missions. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) um, I didn't know that until I moved to the United States. And I also am a PK. I am, um, you know, it's just like a thing. <laughs> but I, um, and I, but the thing is, okay, I love being a PK because if you know how to run that game, you can do it well. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of benefits.
0: <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs>
2: But (laughs) uh, when we moved to the United States, um, sometimes I think like I learned English when I was 11 years old and then I'm like, how did my brain do that, you know? Anyway, (laughs) but I think that's also a big part of who I am today was the transition of moving countries at an age that was very formative. Um, so there is a part of me that is always a little lost looking for home because this is my home now. Um, but there's a part of me that I know will only, I will only make sense to me when I'm able to go back to Peru. So, um, but when we moved to the States, my parents became involved in the Pentecostal church. And it was very interesting because it was very much like women were empowered and you know they could be preachers but then at the same time they were making sure that we didn't wear you know like we were only allowed to wear skirts and no makeup and all those things you know and so i think that also shaped a lot of what i thought was the gospel back then and then um of course i found myself after that in white evangelical spaces because in white evangelical churches i could wear pants <laughs> which seems so silly the, the but bar is very a low. lot of things there yeah. you know <laughs> but um yeah so that's a little bit of um you know how i got here i am also very much like rose very creative daydreamer up in the clouds <laughs> and um yeah, I do. Um, one, I think one of my one of the things that really um, shaped me was that I clearly remember the first time that I met the Holy Spirit, and I was seven years old, and I didn't know how to explain that. And I think honestly, that is who has carried me this whole time. I have no other explanation for that. Um, in all of the spaces that I've been in the, you know, white evangelical, white supremacist spaces, um, Holy Spirit is the one who's carrying me. And I didn't know, like, I didn't know how to express that I was a Black Latina. I didn't know how to express that I, you know, I could speak Spanish. I didn't know how to express all these parts of my identity and that I'm a woman, you know, all those things. And somehow I think it is Holy Spirit who just carried me through <laughs> the whole thing.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. What's in my cup? What's, what's in my, my cup? cup? Now's the time of the podcast where I share with you what's in my cup. So on this first rendition of What's in My Cup... I thought I would drink some coffee (laughs) and uh, this uh, particular coffee is from Portrait Coffee and it is called Ocean Liturgy and it tastes delightful (laughs) and uh, on this packaging it says the water tells our story. And the tasting notes are apricot, cabernet, and caramel. And the origin is Brazil and Colombia. And I also wanted to read this because I think it's beautiful. It says, the coffee is an homage to the daily rituals we engage, birthed from the communal longing of black folks separated across the African diaspora. Each sip is meant to reconnect us so that by the shared experience, we can taste the richness of our roots. So mm, that's what's in my cup for this first uh, tasting. Thank, oh, what's, I love that both, of, uh, this is rich already. I wanted to dig into all the nuances in both of your stories and, and okay, let's dive in. I guess <laughs> we preaching. Okay, so, <laughs> woo. So something that we know as, as people color, uh, is that when we're doing theology, we're not limited to the Bible. And I think, um, often when, um, uh, when some people hear theology, uh, they think they are limited to the Bible. Right. And, uh, it's interesting when people say things like, I'm I'm looking for biblical emotions and they say things like the Psalms gives me permission to feel or permission to express emotions and I think people of color we know, I I know, I don't need the Psalms to give me permission to feel sad, (laughs) I feel sad, I feel right, I'm not, I'm not looking through the scriptures to tell me that the world is a hard place. (laughs) Um, the look around. (laughs) So as we so one thing I want to say in this conversation is we're talking about the theology of softness. I want to talk about it from the Bible, but also the sacred text of the world around us, our bodies, our lives. And I think some of what you guys are saying is the sacred text of your lives. You're bringing that already into the conversation. It's just effortless as you're already weaving in your testimony, your stories, it's just natural. So feel free to just jump in as I say things, talk over me, whatever you need to do. So uh, (laughs) whatever you need to do, Um, because we know that we don't need just the Bible. Um, I read the Bible, but that's not my limiting factor when I'm doing theology. Okay. Um, (laughs) So one thing that I, I... what I would say from the Bible um, is as I was thinking about um the theology of softness, um something that's important to me is in Matthew 23. Um it's interesting. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Um and And he says, uh, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, But but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do, for they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And then they talk about like They're laying all these burdens on people, and they're not even entering into the kingdom of heaven themselves, right? And I want to be clear that some people use this text to um, advocate for thinking that all Pharisees are bad and all Jewish people are bad, and that's not what Jesus was saying at all. But I think um, what I was really thinking about was when I'm thinking about a theology of softness is... I try to live my life in a way that gives permission to all around me to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right. And what I look at from some of the teachers in Jesus's day, I really am very clear on that is they were so adamant about some things that they were laying heavy burdens. They weren't entering into the kingdom of heaven and they were blocking other people from entering into right. And I, I get a lot of flack from seeming very soft, uh, you know, um, on social media and different places. And one thing that I try to do is give people permission to enter into their softness. And I would love to hear you guys talk about that. Not, not me, but like, I, I see that in you, especially Rose, like, talks about openly like your struggles with with not being soft with entering into your softness and what it looks like as a, a black woman and I think it makes some people feel uncomfortable you know it's like why you know why is she sharing this you know and so I am very intentional because I want I want to lay hold of the promises of the kingdom. And I want people to enter in behind me. And um, that's not obviously context, you know, for those who are listening and they will, they'll try and hit me um, hermeneutically. I know that's not the context of those verses, but that is the way I'm applying it to my lived reality in today. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So um, yeah. So yeah. So either one of you, like that is the way that I am, am trying to live out, like in my real life. How, how, do, you, how, how do you guys think about that? Um,
2: yeah, I think it's so interesting um, that you brought that up because, wow. Um, I think as a Afro-Indigenous, Latinx woman, (laughs) Um, there are a lot of things that people perceive perceive me as that I didn't know that people perceived me as. But one of them was being strong. And I think for a big part of my life, um, I definitely wanted to be strong, you know, and not because... Necessarily, I wanted to, but it was a survival skill. If I wasn't strong, I wasn't going to make it, you know? And I knew that my body knew that. Um, I also um, identify as a fat woman, and I'm taking back that term because it has been used to cause so much harm before. And so, um, but even in that context, right, of like a fat person being soft and not just like strong and having to put up like a wall all the time. And now I think, oh, what if I just, you know, what if I was just myself for one second? If I sat in my bedroom meditating and I'm not thinking about anybody else, who am I really there? Who am I Who am I with when I'm with Creator? And when I'm with Creator, I am crying, and I am laughing at the same time sometimes. (laughs) Because I I do love joy and laughter and being silly. Um, But I think in those moments, right, like suddenly all my walls are gone. And I think, oh, I'm actually like a teddy bear. Like I'm a care bear, actually, you know, and need someone to hold me. But sometimes, like for so long, and I know that for so long, I gave that impression that I could do it all. Um, in a lot of ways, it was a survival skill. But now I'm not trying to survive anymore. I'm trying to Ooh. live out here.
0: <laughs> I'm Say trying that car To feel pleasure, Come on. to feel joy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Preach that preacher. <laughs> come on okay I hear you what about you Rose what do you think (laughs)
1: wow Um, I'm I'm just feeling like so much like affirmation listening to Mm y'all and like I I mean like for me just the the different forces working against my soft identity in the world like uh, I yeah the Haitian-ness um I remember growing up um I used to like cry a lot and like there are certain commercials that you know if they were too sad that like it would, like I would watch it I would like ruin my whole day like um I mean they were problematic commercials about hunger <laughs> portraying a, a very uh, particular image of what, what it meant to be african and black and i didn't understand as a child but all i know is like i saw some kid on television who didn't have food and i had food and i was like i'm not going to eat because that kid can't eat um and i remember like having a conversation with my mother and my aunt and they said to me like if you want to become the kind of person who can grow up and help that little boy you have to eat and you have to be strong and you you can't be crying and like <laughs> it's like you can't you're not going to get to where you're going to be to be helpful to people if you are someone who cries a lot and I kept finding myself coming back to that conversation in so many different areas of life um, and all the different ways I've um, grown in my understanding of faith and justice. Like uh, there was a, I don't think of which which particular time, but there are multiple times where um, I've learned about a a different um, issue in the world. And like, I just can't learn and not feel, that's number one, Um, so. As I'm like studying theology and going through these very difficult classes, like I love um, I love what I learn in school, and I do find that there are moments where like I'm reading something and it's like this like deep dark dive into the racist uh, Christian history of America, and I'm like I can't just read the chapter, write a reflection, and move on. Like I got to sit in these feelings. Like I have to process this. I have to cry, um, and I keep coming back to that conversation in my mind. Like you have to be strong, like you can't help anyone through this sensitivity. Like you have to be, um, I don't know, you have, to, you have to be put together to be able to, to help others and all of that. Um, and yeah, it just, it's so interesting. It's like, I did not plan to talk about that particular story, but now that I think about it, it is um, something that I, I realized that I can say no to in my, uh, in my uh, adult life now. Um, but yeah, like I am thinking about what you said, Robert, about how um, for people of color, our theologies don't often start with the Bible, it starts with our lived experience. And um, from what I've learned about liberation theologies, like liberation theologies begin with lived experience, and there's no apology for those lived experiences. It's like these are the experiences through which I, God is going to reveal, you know, God's self to us. And from there, we look at scripture and we say, what is scripture saying and speaking into this situation and this moment and this feeling. Um, It took me a while to give myself permission for that to be my framework, not just systemically and for everybody else, but for myself first. Um, Yeah, and I I realized that before I realized it was okay, um, I I first gave myself permission to like, if this is wrong, I'm still gonna do it. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Like if this is if it's wrong for me to say to myself that I'm gonna be who I am and God's going to use that, then you know whatever. And then after a while, it's like, oh okay, this is fine. This is what God wants. <laughs>
0: because yeah, I mean it has to be. Um, and and I think if it's not, that dissonance um, left unchecked leads people away from God, and and so much so that it's like. Then I'm willing to bear the the. I'm willing to bear the distance. Then, if if it if my lived reality, in these feelings, I can't bring the this fullness to God. I can't bear it with God. Then I'm okay with being distant from God. Um, is what a lot of people end up choosing. Um, And so when it comes to this softness, I love uh, both of your stories. For me, I think I have always been a sensitive child. Um, And, uh, you know, growing up in Chicago, tried to force me and mold me into being masculine, quote unquote. Um, And uh, being a black man, it, it tried to sharpen me, right? And the world, I've always been so sensitive. I... I, I was soft as a child. And, you know, like n- anyone who's listening to me, who's a black man knows that is the one uh, adjective you do not want to hear whether <laughs> you soft. Uh, that is not, uh, that's not on your top 10 list of things you want to be called. Um, but as I'm growing and evolving, um, I realize uh, my departure from the anchor of my softness Um, was a devastation uh, because all of the toxicity that I learned from that, because even growing up as an atheist, I realized that God implanting that softness within me was a gift. That seed of softness was meant to anchor me in my humanity. Um, And my departure from that led me down a wild roller coaster of (laughs) craziness you know in my whole life I've been trying to get back to that place the world has changed wake up and smell the possibility the world has changed it did not change without your prayers without your faith without your determination to believe in liberation and kindness without your dancing through the years that had no beat. The world has changed by Alice Walker. Black coffee and theology pod is a production of three black men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at three black men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for for our Patreon at patreon.com slash threeblackmen. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.